Welcome to Home Alone for the Holidays, the podcast where we talk about the holiday classic Home Alone in the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm the other host, Brian. And with us today are, uh, well, we've got uh, a, a, a bunch of different guests from the Princess Bride Minute and UHF 62nd. It's uh, Jonathan Carlisle and with him from uh, from podcasts near and far, Tabitha Carlisle. Welcome. Hey. Hello. Hello. And uh, also joining us is sideline reporter from Five Minutes of Mystery, Dave Palace. Hey, everyone. Glad to be here. All right. Yeah. Friend to uh, to all. Dave Palace. He is a friend to all. Uh, so without. Yeah, he, he is. Um, except those those Taylor ham eating North Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> ah, starting already. No. Uh, so, uh, well, I want to get into it without, you know, not a lot of ceremony to do. Uh, jumping into the 1990 Christopher Columbus directed Home Alone. It's a classic. And we start with the 20th Century Fox fanfare and uh, and credits. And am I the only one that hears that and like immediately expects, uh, you know, the Star Wars theme to come in immediately after that? I'm like so trained. Yeah. Yeah. 20th Century Fox. Yeah. The, the, I, I think the best way to put it is I, I love the intro of the score, though. Um, mm-hmm. because the, the the Christmas jingle into the, and then at the 24 seconds in that foreboding dark theme, I think is a great way to det- like for the music to tell you that, you know, if you didn't, if you, like, if you went into this movie blind, you've never seen the poster, you've never seen the trailers where you think, Oh, okay. It's a, it's a, it's, it was a movie. It's a holiday film. Oh, okay. That, that dun, 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 that, that just that, like that almost, almost Tim Burton type of, uh, foreboding where you're like, there's some danger around the corner. Yeah, that I like. if I had notes, those were in my notes. I, I told Tabitha that this was uh, it sounds like a cross between John Williams and, and Danny Elfman. Yes, perfect. Yes. Yeah, and we, and we should say this is actually it is John Williams doing the, the the score for this film. But yeah, it's got a very yeah Burton esque kind of it's 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 uh, it's holidays, but it's it's going to be different. Going to be a twist. Maybe the score. I mean, the score makes the the entire movie just so much better. I mean, it's just classic. Yeah, he he does so well with it, and and the uh, the, the the simplistic of just that house. I think is that that someone did a great job in the art department, where just that little house in the center of the of the with a black all around it. It just mm-hmm. it, it sell, sells the title, but after on, on multiple viewings, you come back. That house really does feel perfect because you know that's that is uh that's our like that's our that's our our front line in, in the third act. That's what we're trying to protect the house. We will protect this house. Um, it also reminds me a little bit. It's it's a little more serious. It doesn't have as much whimsy, but the the animation reminds me a little bit of the opening of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, you know, another another holiday Christmas movie that starts with um, with animation. Okay, I'm the I'm, only one. I'm just you. Sure. Yeah, I'm not okay. there quite on that. Well, I yeah, mean, I, I see animation, see but, but another thing that I noticed, and if you guys back it up to the credits, Macaulay Culkin build in front of Joe Pesci. Yeah, they they definitely I, were like, this kid's going to go places. Yeah, I mean, you would not see that so much these days. I'm even surprised they had it then. Yeah, well, from what the internet told me is that this part was written specifically for him, and so for Joe Pesci. No, not Joe Pesci. Sorry, for Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> yeah, for for Macaulay. Yeah, um, John Hughes had worked with Macaulay and John Candy on Uncle Buck, mm-hmm. um, and and so yeah, he had him in mind, and, and 
Chris Columbus, the director, uh, you know, wanted to audition some other kids. And depending on the sources, one place I read said he interviewed, he auditioned five other kids and another place at hundreds, but came back to uh, Hughes's choice. And I mean, it's, it's, a it's, it's, I know, uh, um, what's his name? Robert Ebert, Roger Ebert. Um, gave this like a mixed review and wasn't crazy about Macaulay. I think this is an amazing performance for oh, for yeah. a nine year old, and he carries the movie. He's in almost every scene, just the the bits mm-hmm. in Paris and on the plane. I mean, he's a nine year old kid carrying a movie. Um, you know, yeah. the only other example I can think of that is um, Return to Oz and Feruza Balk as as Dorothy. You know, carries that as well. But um, yeah, Macaulay's just just great in this. I was always curious of, of, of Home Alone. Yeah, is a Christopher Columbus movie, and there's there's stuff I see Christopher Columbus. I think he did the um he did the first few Harry Potter's. If I remember correctly. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. The first two. So he knows how to handle kids in spooky atmosphere. But I was I'm always curious if like John Hughes always had like a uh, like a hand on the wheel the same way like we always say that like Spielberg had his hand on the wheel with Poltergeist. Where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, directed by Toby Hooper, but the whole time we're like, yeah, but Spielberg was probably like, you know, probably like like telling Toby, like, this would be a good thing if he did this. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I'm, I'm always curious. He's written, but he's also directed, and like we said, he he's worked with Macaulay before. He directed Uncle Buck as well as writing it. Um, I, I don't know, did Brian, did anything come up in your research? I know watching the making of feature on the Blu-ray uh, it, it made it sound like Columbus is in charge. There wasn't yeah. a lot of talk. Uh, of, of the commentary Rickman. track with Columbus and Macaulay Culkin, it, it does not seem like, yeah, it seems like he was in charge. I, I don't know how much outside influence was there. It didn't seem like a lot, but you never know. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, Columbus, Chris has, has worked with kids. His, uh, his first directing job or, or movie was, uh, or feature film was adventures in babysitting. And like you said, Dave, he, he did the, uh, the first two Harry Potter, the Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, which would have been after this. But so he, you know, he's someone that that worked with with kids. Um, an interesting tidbit that I found um, and I don't want to spend too much time on the the credits and we can jump to the individual actors as they appear, you know, as they appear in the film, not as they appear in the credits. Um, but one thing I saw on, uh, on Chris Columbus was he wrote a rejected script for Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, in which uh, Indy traveled to Africa and dueled a monkey prince. And uh, it was rejected because of too many African stereotypes. Mm, yeah. So, and, then, uh, yeah. and then I think uh, Ace Ventura 2 did that. They're like, we'll take it. We'll do all the stereotypes. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just, you know, there's always a market for something. You just recycle. That's you know, Hollywood. There's no new ideas. Just yeah, it was uh, God. It was it was. I don't know. I don't know what came first. It was Ace Ventura at two, and then it was uh, Ernest goes to Africa. They're like, we, we got it. We did it all. Oh so, uh, yeah, top top billing is uh, amongst the actors after writer director Macaulay, yeah. and this is uh, he's shown up in a couple things, but this is I, you know I I barely remember him in Uncle Buck. I don't think that's a huge role. He's also. He's the kid at the end of Jacob's ladder. Um, he's like Jacob's son that kind of, or hit, you know, it's either the, the main character or the character's son or a spirit or however you interpret Jacob's ladder. He's the little kid at the end who takes, um, you know, takes his hand and, and leads him off to heaven. We hope. 
um, you know, grabs Tim Robbins' hand. That's that's a little Macaulay there as well. But uh, but yeah, it's know. unusual that he would be billed in front of Pesci. I think. Well, it's it's a kid film, so True. you probably want the kid up front True. versus True. you know versus Pesci, who uh, <laughs> you know. Well, I, I guess he has become more kid friendly, but at that point. In oh, yeah, his good, career, yeah, Goodfellas coming out, you know. <laughs> yeah, good Goodfellas coming out the the same year. Yeah, funny story about um, about Joe Pesci in this film. Apparently, he was so not used to working with children that he kept cursing on set, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and and Chris Columbus tried to convince him to say fridge <laughs> instead of the other f word that he kept saying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sure there's so I'm sure there's like so many cutting room floors of him and Stern in the van, just oh, like yeah. vulgar riffing, and they're like they're filming it. And they're like, there's no way this is making it to the film. There's no way this cut's making it to the film. <laughs> so the <laughs> f bombs. Yeah, they've 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 actually like uh, some of the uh, deleted scenes or alternative takes. Um, it has them on the the in the van, and I'll, I'm I'm going to hold on to those stories till we get to the van in the film. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, those are. Fun, fun times, and I'm sure a great learning experience for all the, all the children. I, I, I know just, you don't want to get. Okay. No, that's okay. Well, I, I was just saying, let's. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so excited. Sorry, no tap. Go, go. I, I tap, know go. you're excited. I know you're excited. I was just gonna say, let's just jump to Joe Pesci right there, standing in the. Yeah, foyer. I was gonna say, like that's yeah. unless you have anything particular about the uh, about the credits, we we open up with. <laughs> <laughs> a, a cop in like a foyer entryway um, mm-hmm. and and bedlam. It's just, you know, anarchy going on all around him. There's kids running everywhere. There's no sign of any adult, at least immediately. And uh, what we got. Um, so if I, if I bring nothing else and I probably won't, I can at least tell you who's who. So the first, I think it's the first two we see coming down the stairs are Megan and Lenny. And those are Kevin's older sisters. And uh, those are the two coming downstairs. And later, Lenny will be the one that that calls little Kevin late incompetence. <laughs> but yeah, so we meet, we, we get Megan and Lenny. I think Heather, which is the oldest female cousin, walks through as well. And then there's just... Yeah. And this is, um, you know, this, this is, <laughs> this is what holidays are like in many a home when you've got a large family and lots of kids and everyone's going different directions all at once. But you know what? You, I, I mean, you might not know the names just from watching, but they really do a good job of showing you, like, you don't really lose track of people. I, I feel like they really show everybody what's going on. A little personality hits in each little scene. I feel like they don't lose you uh, just throwing characters at you. you yeah, see that? I have so many notes about that. Okay, okay. all right. So I want to, I, I want to, we'll get to, we'll get to Catherine O'Hare in a minute. But uh, the music, I wanted to talk one more time about the music. How that house gets smaller and smaller, and the music and it gets spooky. But then, like at like minute one twenty six, the music changes, and then you hear the family coming in, and it shows the house all lit up. And it's it's perfect. It's like somebody walked in. And was like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that foreboding music right now. Ain't ain't, ain't family crazy? And <laughs> it really does. You I, 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 you forget. You immediately forget about the foreboding music intro you just saw. And you're like, oh my gosh, the in laws. We all know the in laws. And yeah, that 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 choreographed chaos of where everyone's going, throwing something in middle mid argument. 
Yeah, uh, and this and the, the the movie really is structured. It's got a classic horror movie structure where it's like, so first we've got to meet the people. We've got to care about the people. So when they're in danger, we worry for them. True. And then it goes through all the machinations to kind of set it up. And then it's, you know, it's all at the end. Um, I mean, that's kind of like the, you know, think of like Jaws, like Jaws kind of sets it up in the beginning, but there isn't really that confrontation between man and shark till the end or like, um, Thinking like the you know like the classic Godzilla movies or classic monster movies where it's all tension, tension, tension building, and it and this kind of you know follows that that path. Yeah. And you get really good geography of the like the the camera just kind of hangs around and moves around. Like you see where everything is in the house, which obviously is gonna you need to see it because of all the shenanigans at the end. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I like the direction and the cinematography here, where we're at, we as from the camera's viewpoint, we're not moving around. So it's not making us dizzy, but people keep walking past us. And, um, and I think part of part of what you're saying, Brian, like it, it kind of being clear who's who the, uh, the costuming, like everyone's got a distinctive look and what mm-hmm. they're wearing. So it's, even if we don't get everyone's name, we know, okay, there's, there's that girl, there's this girl, there's that boy. We kind of know who's who. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, <laughs> um, so every Thanksgiving, Jonathan's family, um, all gets together at his parents' house. So it would be Jonathan and his three sisters and their families. So there's 21 of us staying in one house for about four days. And so we know what it's like as far as having lots of families in and chaos and, and things. But I can tell you that if a cop was standing in our entryway, that, people would notice and not just ignore the cop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'd, you'd hope not. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Hey, these guys, they're trying to pack. They're just trying to get some pizza and leave. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy that they're trying to pack so much just the night before when you have people there. I am a bit of, procra- bit of a procrastinator, so I could see me packing the last minute but not my kids like i would already have them kind of all packed up and ready to go especially if you're taking an overseas trip i probably would be packed by this point if you're doing that, an overseas trip that is a good point it's overseas because i was thinking like this this whole thing feels very impromptu like they none of nobody was ready for it but you're right it's like you're gonna need passports no one just you know uh, ha- unless this family just has their passports just you know coincidentally ready um this this whole thing it, it does feel that like you know when 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 peter explains later his brother and everything it, it just feels like that there were like as if like days ago it got announced to spend the holidays there and now like this is the entire family from ohio here we in the suburbs of illinois and we're just everyone's just scrambling uh to get ready yeah, I mean, but I can kind of believe it just in terms of, well, one, I know if I'm like, sometimes I won't even sleep. If I have an early flight, if I'm leaving for the airport, let's say I have an eight o'clock flight and I'm leaving for the airport at 530 or six, I may not even sleep because I'm you know, I'm easily up till midnight on a regular night anyway. And then if I've got a pack and I've got to make sure I don't forget anything and then there's stuff I want to take care of before I leave, like I'm going to be up later than usual. And then it's like, well, gee, it's only a couple hours. And then I got to worry about sleeping late. And then, you know, a tree hits a power line and the, the alarm clock goes out. Like, so if I have an early flight, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll be running around like this the night before. And also I could see with, with kids, like as an adult, 
I'm like, okay, I can set aside. This is the stuff I'm going to bring. And I can do that far ahead of time if I think about it. But for kids, it may be more difficult to say, all right, don't, you know, don't wear your favorite pants for the next week because they're clean and we want to make sure they're ready to pack and, and that kind of stuff. Just like, I, yeah, I, I could see this happening. I could see this, this craziness going on. I, 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 I with the, with Joe Pesci here as, as our, as our, as a police officer. And we, you know, at the time oh. now we believe he's a police officer. We just say, as the movie tells us, he's a police officer. He's a police and officer. It's a man of order in a house of chaos right now. Um, I Ooh, wanted to call yeah. Doug on this, but Doug, I guess, probably was busy being a cop, so I couldn't actually get a cop to give me cop opinion. So hopefully you can get him <laughs> later to discuss what he thinks about Joe Pesci's cop portrayal. But we'll get to that hopefully sometime later. Um, I wanted I wanted to get to Catherine O'Hare because I feel like she be I feel like she became the nine the 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 quintessential nineties mom, like the the breadwinning, not suit wearing, um, you know, get stuff done nineties mom. That like every cartoon or family movie in the '90s modeled after. Yeah, I, and 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 Tabitha as the I think the only mother on on the call at the moment. But maybe you can <laughs> you can you know chime in on this. She covers the range of you know she can be soft and loving, and then you know attack dog pit bull. I have to get home to my son. Like she can cover that range that a mother sometimes has to cover. Yes, but she doesn't seem to be a very good disciplinarian. Like I, I, I oh, their parenting style is not my parenting style. Well, and it, 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 it kind of goes back to the. There's a cop. Well, how did the guy get in the house? Like, did 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 Pesci just walk in and like, oh, I'm a cop. Like, I can walk in wherever I go. Or did he ring the doorbell? Probably he knocked and some kid opened the door for (laughs) him and then they just took off. And so then he just came in and he's been standing there. It was probably just as chaotic. Somebody just opened the door and so then he walked in. Yeah, They opened the door (laughs) and then they saw it wasn't pizza. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's true. I could see like, so if I, like I know if I'm at someone's house, even family and like a phone rings, a doorbell rings, like I'm. I don't live here. I will pretend I don't hear it. I don't want to get involved. But we see at least um, at least three kids that do live in this house pass by this cop and don't do anything and don't say, well, you know, maybe I should get mom or dad or at least ask, like, why are you here? And I think that's unusual. I don't you know, I will do that at somebody else's house. I don't do that at my own house. I will respond if it's my own doorbell ringing or, you know, a, a cop from my own local precinct that shows up. I think, I think Heather would have actually answered because she's lived with this family now for like several months while she's in school. So I feel yeah. like she's like the second woman in command, like after the right. parents. So I, I think she I think she, I bet you by now as like the cousin living there for several months, I bet she has become like the oldest, the, the pseudo older sister to Megan and Lenny. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like everyone probably even, like, you know, even buzz gives her attitude, but she doesn't care. Like she's above buzz. Right. I feel like she would, she'd become woman in charge and, and, and do that. Yeah. Open the door and say, okay, officer, what, you know, what's, what's up? Why are you, you know, what's the matter? So I feel like, but, I think, but, but Heather immediately as the movie starts is going upstairs. Yeah. Well, has she been living there or is she, we should say, so Heather is the oldest daughter of, Rob and Georgette, who have moved to Paris, 
but she's going to Northwestern. So is she like, I kind of assumed she was staying in a dorm and she's just here to fly to Paris to, to re, be reunited with her parents. You no, think she's been I, living with I, them? If I remember correctly, he said, she, he said school. So I thought like she was finishing up her semester either at Northwestern or she was going to go to Northwestern and she's like senior in high school or something. So I clocked her at like, like maybe 18, 19. I don't think she's 21 or anything. So I was trying to clock like where she was, if she was high school or college. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I thought so, that's the vibe I got was that she's finishing school. So I thought she's just finishing this semester mm-hmm. at whatever college it was. And so maybe she was using this house as like, you know, maybe come back on some weekends once in a while. So you're right. I mean, maybe she wasn't here so, a lot. So as we'll see, the large number of children do not fall far from the tree. Because, I mean, all these kids, they're they're wise, they're wise enough, and they're wise enough to a cop. Um, Heather's the one that uh, Harry, Joe Pesci, uh, asks, are your parents home? And she says, yeah, but they live in Paris. And then she just walks away. But we'll see, um, you know, Uncle Frank, <laughs> you know, j- just to jump ahead a little bit, Uncle Frank's a real a-hole. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep it clean, but Uncle Mr. Frank's a jerk. He's a jerk. I think that's the second <laughs> joke I love that line. So let's spoil your fun, Mister Cheapskate. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so I mean, we don't we don't get to see much of Heather's parents because they're in Paris. But you know, like if if their parents are anything like what we see here, like like these parents are jerk, like the kids are getting it. You know, I learned it from you, Dad. Basically, like <laughs> the, you know, the, the the kids are jerks, but their parents are jerks. You know, yeah. and I don't like it. It's like some of these responses are kind of weird where I like I wonder, is it like is there is, you know, it's is it just for a movie? Like, could this be possibly based on a real conversation? Because like some of the some of the back and forth are like so Heather's all right because her parents aren't there. Are your parents home? Yeah, but they're in their home in Paris. But like one of the other girls, Tracy, who is Frank and Leslie's oldest, uh, when Harry asks, are your parents home? She says, yeah, but they don't live here. Well, so her parents are not – her parents are not in their home. Her parents are in this home. Like they're there. They're in the building. Yeah. There's a policeman asking for an adult. Like you could go get your – and at one point, Aunt Leslie walks by and somehow she's like – it's like me in a restaurant where the waiter can walk right by and like is just always looking the opposite direction. And I can't get – you know, when I'm trying to get out of here and I'm trying to get the check so I can go home, like – they just ignore me like like Leslie walks through That's and so like strange. is just looking the exact opposite way and somehow doesn't notice this officer of the law here. You have to ask Doug yeah. about this. I gave this happens. If she if she doesn't look at him and acknowledge him, then she's not responsible for talking to him. It's kind of like when you see someone, you know, at the grocery store and you really don't oh, want to talk to them because you yeah. just don't feel like being extroverted today. So you completely just like don't make any kind of eye contact and just right. like you never saw them. So if they yeah. see you and don't say anything, it's like if you lock eyes, you're going to have to they like think you make didn't the small see them. talk. Yeah. Yeah. So it might read. be that. This is a family that leaves a child behind and doesn't even realize he's not there. How really in tune to the world can they be? Oh, I don't not know. Much. Holidays, man. Yeah, holidays. Holidays. All right. I want to get back to Catherine. I want Tabitha to Take her if, – if she has to be taken to tab of the court, take her. I just think, like, aesthetically and and just, like, there's certain scenes where I feel like um, 
just were just they, they a lot of moms in the nineties are modeled after her. I don't know, maybe it's just the it's the big wide shoulders suit she's wearing when we're introduced to her. Um, yeah, and that could, that could be. I mean, I think when you think of moms in the nineties, you definitely do think of her, but just the way they parent. But it it's not any different than any other movie in the eighties and nineties as far as how sassy the kids are and how the parents sometimes just roll their eyes at it and let it go. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, call them out on that. <laughs> like, like mm. you shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't be talking to you that way. You know, I wish you would just shut up or whatever. <laughs> it's just like, what? You yeah. know, don't just like roll your eyes or be like, Oh, you know, like, Hey, don't talk to me that way. Uh, I, I, think, I think what's odd really is that, which is kind of, I feel like she's just having a mom talk right now on the phone with some other mom or something of some other family because they're just mm-hmm. kind of swapping stories. They're not really like like she's not really planning anything with this person. She's just like saying like, "How are you planning your trip? This is how we're planning our trip." So I kind of feel like she should be having she should have had this phone call like days ago, not right. like the night of. With right. the family, my in-laws are over, but let me have a chat with you. Like the way my mom calls, you know, Kathy, it's like in her, Kathy, like they go and she goes, my mom goes in the back room and talks to Kathy for an hour, but like nothing's happening. So that's a fine, but it's like, this is in the middle of the holiday family get together that you mm-hmm. should have all this packed. So she's like describing how she's, how they're planning to pack while they're planning to pack. <laughs> yeah. I get the right. feeling like the, like the, the, the woman on the phone, it's, it's one of the other moms in the neighborhood. And she's like, I, you know, I, she, they, they've got family over. She wants to get away from the family. <laughs> so she's like, Oh, let me call my friend Kate. And then Kate answers and she's talking about, yeah, like you said, she's, she's, she's busy. She's got a pack. She's got stuff to go. You know, she's yeah. got stuff to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, poor little Kevin. Well, poor he, little he just Kevin. wants to watch this. He just he's wants to watch the same Kev- movies. He's not <laughs> poor little Kevin yet. Not until he gets left. Right now, he's just sassy. But yeah, he's, he's bro, also he's acting out. He's acting out for attention, really, because mm-hmm. overall, the way his siblings talk to him, it just shows that that's how they talk to him all the time. Yeah. So, and apparently, the parents aren't saying anything again about it, and so they just talked you know talk to him like that all the time and so then he acts out to get attention and that's just yeah. the way it goes yeah well do we guess- see another you know another thing going back to what i said about the you know he's he's learning it from his parents so kevin kevin calls frank a jerk and you're like okay well he's a little kid he's calling his uncle a jerk later we see uncle frank call kevin a jerk and like that's that's not okay and no mm-hmm. one and everyone's looking at kevin like Wait a second, an adult just called a kid a jerk, like and not right. not a nice jerk, like a really mean jerk. And like yeah. no one no one says Uncle Frank, you shouldn't say that. Right. Uh, right. God, just, yeah, it's, it's, it's we'll get to the kitchen scene, but we'll yeah. Yeah. But I'm 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 sympathetic with to Kevin because I like it, it, especially in this part, because I feel like I see a lot of myself. I think I was a little I was like a little I, there was a little bit of Kevin when I was that age. I was like a little high maintenance. I think I was a high, like not a super high maintenance kid. I mean, I wasn't getting my nails done every week or anything, but like emotionally high maintenance. So mm-hmm. I, I sympathize. The way I see it here is Kevin would be more than happy to get out of everyone's way and just watch the movie with Uncle Frank or just get away from everyone. But like it, it's kind of like he can't get anywhere because everyone's just you know up in his grill. And then yeah. and then like after is uh well by the way. 
the amount of mannequins in this house, I want to say, <laughs> do you think that the mom, I, I definitely think she's, she, she, I think she's a breadwinning of the family. I think she's in a textiles or fashion or something. The amount of mannequins and like seamstress, like, uh, 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 things that are just, I just, I don't know. What do you think? You think she's in fashion or something? Now just think about how much clothing fashion things are in this house. Just as is. Just think about that. Just think about it. There are a lot. Yeah. There, there it, it's probably a six or seven too many mannequins for a normal house. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think your average, your average house probably has like zero mannequins, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, average house, yeah. yeah. We have zero yeah. mannequins. I, we, I, I think I'll have to double check, but I'm pretty sure I have zero mannequins in my house. I mean, <laughs> I, I come back. That <laughs> you don't check, and there is one mannequin, and you're like, where did that mannequin come from? Because be that would be scared. really creepy. <laughs> I just, I don't know what Peter, like, what, what Peter does as a job. I'm trying to, you know, like, you know, he's just like miscellaneous businessman who works in Chicago, yeah. um, who, yeah, he's a little absent mind because he didn't even think about the, the, he doesn't think about it until the night before about the uh, the adapter. You know, he didn't stop at Radio Shack and like get. He could have easily got one. You know, out after work, but he like remembered to get home. And goes, yeah. oh yeah, my razor. Oh yeah, the plugs are different. Right. <laughs> yeah, he probably just assumed that his wife was going to get it for him instead of asking. I mean, she is a go getter, but at the same time, it's just like Pete. It's your damn face. Like, you know, you should have thought of this. And you know, but then again, like. With us, us as as as, as younger uh, millennial characters that we are, uh, we all have cell phones, so we're always thinking, "Yo, where's the charger? Like, you get mm-hmm. the charger? Who's got the charger? Who brought the charger? I got an iPhone. What do you got? You got Google? You got Google? What do you got? You got Motorola? Okay, what's that? USB? What's that? What, what USB version? We're all thinking about adapters nowadays in our lives. Like, some of my friends come over. The first question they ask is like, "Hey, can I can I, can I use your adapter? Yeah, sure, dude. It's just like we're all you know. Yeah, and I think. Yeah, that's forgivable. In 1990, yeah, 19, how much were you thinking about adapters versus yeah. versus today? Um, yeah, so one of the some of the research I found or I read um, postulated that uh, that the the man of the house that Peter was in organized crime um, <laughs> because because when he when he when he sees Harry, he sees the cop. Like he's not like he, well, certainly he's not worried or anything. Like why is there a cop? But the first thing he says is, "Am I under arrest?" Um, but just oh on this house, that's such a dad joke. That's a little weak. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, that's what I fear. It's just that's a dad weak. joke. But I think they definitely both work. I mean, because they have a nice house, you know, and stuff, and a lot of kids. So I, I mean, I just a lot of kids. Yeah, yeah. He's I, general I business. That's what it seems like. I mean, they don't really yeah. get into any of it. But yeah. So this is um. So a little bit on the house, real quick. Uh, the house. It's a five bedroom, four bath. Uh, 4,200 square foot house in uh, Winnetka, Illinois, is uh, the exterior and some of the interiors were even filmed in the house. It last sold in 2012 for $1.585 million, and the, uh, the current Zillow estimate is $1.69 million. So not an yeah, inexpensive house. Both work. Yeah. Well, and then you you've got to heat the thing once you once you you know that's just that just gets you in. Yeah. And you got to heat and like every every light in the place is on oh, at yeah. the same time. And mm-hmm. They yeah. There's here's, there's some kind of income. Here's my thing. Do you feel like this house should be preserved in a historical society and kept uh, to its 1990 uh, wallpaper and painting and uh, decoration <laughs> aesthetic? 
the way like in the areas yeah. where they actually filmed. Yeah, like the entire town's <laughs> the like, no, it was historical <laughs> for the for for the Home Alone documentary. We yeah. need this, this whole house this, to be done. Yeah, this house, the uh, the house from a Christmas story, and the bed and breakfast, the Cherry Street Inn from Groundhog Day, we just yes. like. <laughs> Frozen in time, no, you know, just maintenance to keep, you know, upkeep, but no changes. I'm okay with that. The bedrooms that you brought up, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up because that's, I have a note for that, but we'll get to that in a little bit because I was trying to organize, like, I was doing the, uh, the Tetris in my head of where you, where you put all the in laws in this house. I was like, I figured mm-hmm. it was a five or six bedroom. I was like, this is obviously a huge house. So, like, and I was also like, there's probably like a few, like, they may, you know, they probably have like a few air mattresses if we if you have to, or at least extra pillows if people are sleeping on the floor. Yeah, like people got the hide be... a bed in the attic. Yeah, you the have the third floor, of course. Yeah, but the third floor, I, I, I want to get to that in a minute. Like, I, I want to do this chronologically. I do. Um, but just just to put a number on that point, so we've got Peter and Kate and five kids. So you've got seven people in that main McAllister family. Then Frank and Leslie. They have five kids, yes. and then mm-hmm. and then Heather is the oldest of Rob and Georgette's kids, who is either been living with them or is just home from college. But so you you start with seven people in five bedrooms, and they've added eight more people. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a lot of people. So you got fi- yeah fifteen people, and you got to find a place for them to all sleep. And like the uh, presuming the married couples can can sleep together. And the kids are doubling up and tripling. Yeah, I think the I mean, only like when person at, when we stay at Jonathan's, you know, with Jonathan's family, and there's all of us. There's we have cots for you know the boys all sleep in uh, the game room in the basement on cots, and the girls all crowd into one bedroom because they like to sleep together. And so there's air mattresses and bunk beds, and Jonathan and I always take an air mattress. And so you know, like his sister sleeps in their dad's small office there's enough room for one air mattress so her and her husband stay in there you know we just put them everywhere you can and uh that's just how it rolls and it works yeah you make it work you make mm-hmm. it work. I, I know you mentioned uncle frank sean but we i, I know you're getting to that point but I, I should make sure we, we cover that uncle frank is introduced as a man who's watching a movie while everyone else is packing so is a great like introduce introduction to that character. I know we, we we say he's a jerk, and I'm like that opening line is like, what do you think? I go, wait a second, everyone's running around packing, and there's a, you're saying there's a grown man somewhere in this house just watching a movie, <laughs> and then he says yeah. the movie's you know he says the movie <laughs> is is not for kids, but it's probably like he doesn't want anyone just bothering him, so he just says that it's 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 not for kids, just to make sure Kevin doesn't bother him. Um, yeah. He's watching Peter yeah. Pan, but he just doesn't want Kevin to bother him. So like, yeah, this is yeah. not for kids. He's watching probably Angels with Filthy Souls. <laughs> actually, I just want to know the first time we see Uncle Kevin, um, no, sh- sh- Uncle Frank. Uh, by the way, I, I sh- do you have a note about this? Kevin breaks the fourth wall as a uh, like monologue like to, to oneself. No, I don't have a, a note on that. Because it, it's funny, like it's it immediately, immediately as, as another thing, it, it breaks the uh, it brings the audience kind of like you relate to this kid because the kid's worried, and then he tells you he's worried. Pack my suitcase, like why? I don't, I'm a child. Yeah, right. And I I know we already talked about suitcases, so I'll keep that short. But I would expect my teenagers to be able to pack to go on a big trip, but 
like a kid Kevin's age, I wouldn't expect him to pack his suitcase to take such a big trip, like for more than a weekend. And even then I'd probably check his bag to make sure he put everything in it. So that's kind of crazy to say like, Hey, it's the night before. Did you pack your suitcase? Like, yeah, do you think Aunt, jumping on you? <laughs> do you think Aunt Leslie like let Fuller pack his own suitcase? <laughs> oh, no, no, that's the exact. Yeah, so that, that was a question I had. So for 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 everyone here, well, if so, when you were a kid, like when was the first time you packed your own suitcase? And then, if you're a parent, like at what age do you let kids kind of do that stuff on their own? I, and I think so. Kevin is is nine, or. Is well, Macaulay's nine here. You know, the actor's nine. I assume the kid is about the same age. I'm guessing that's too young. Yeah, you 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 definitely let them try, um, but then you definitely check on it because you know it's just going to be like two t-shirts and a bunch of Nerf guns. And you're like, oh, where's your underwear <laughs> and your toothbrush? And, and... Yeah, we've at the very least you have to give. Here's a list. You know, you have to have, you know, so we're going for a week. You need seven pairs of underpants. You need seven pairs of socks. You need, right. you know, you list it out and then see if they can assemble it together. But you don't let them make that list on their own. Right. Because we've, you know, that's what we used to do. Okay. These are the things that you need. Here's your list. And then yeah. they would put it in. And then even after they packed, then- I would just have the kids, like I would go down and I would tell them just say check after I say it. pajamas. And then it's a check, you know, <laughs> swimsuit, check, whatever. And we go just go down. And if they forgot something, then they put it in. Because, I mean, we've had times where, you know, we've gone on a trip to um, the Upper Peninsula, Michigan. And it was a whole snowmobiling sledding trip. And my son mm-hmm. left a snow pa- in a snow pants or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, which he was young enough that that's kind of on me, too. And so uh, pajamas, you know, we've had. Oh, that was him, too. He was probably a little younger than Kevin, like maybe six or so. That was my fault. Never mind. I forgot his pajama <laughs> once. And he was like yeah. crying. Yeah. But you let him try. But on a big trip like that, I mean, you're definitely helping them and checking their bag or giving them a list. And maybe, maybe Kate gave him a list and he just still hasn't done it. That, that is that's possible as well. Yeah. So, I, yeah, Brian, when did you first pack I, on your You know own? what? I'm not. I was young, but I wouldn't have packed any kind of clothes. I would have just packed stuff that I needed. You know, give me the Walkman, some toys. That's about it. I I, I don't think I've ever packed clothes. Ever. You still no. haven't packed. You still don't <laughs> How about you, Dave? What's your, your packing experience? I, I think I learned a lot with my dad and Boy Scouts because, you know, you take those, you know, at least every, once a month, you take those, you take those uh, camping trips. So I remember my dad for the troop, he, I think he did. I think he actually put a list together and he like printed out to give to kids. So, and he like, you know, would give out like almost between every, before every trip, like give it out to every kid again and again and like have it by priority. So it'd be like clothes, like, yeah, like underwear, shirts and shocks. Uh, and then he would have it like, you know, like um, priority things where it's like your, your uniform. Got to make sure you bring your uniform because if we're going to like an actual Boy Scout camp, we're going to have to be like in our A class uniforms for like morning ritual where it's like, you know, they raise the flag and stuff. And so it was like and and then and so like, yeah, I remember through that, like learning to be like, OK, I got to pack my bags for a weekend and stuff. And then like in the summer, we went to the camps for a whole week. You know, you're now you have like a, maybe you have a bigger backpack or you have like a tote footlocker. Now you've like that's where you're, you're going to be. You're, you know, everything's going to go in that that footlocker and then it's going to go into a trailer. So, yeah, I learned I learned through that way. 
Because um, I don't remember for Disney. I don't know. My mom may have just packed my bags. I don't remember. Like I was in seventh grade, I think, when I my, the last time my family and I went to Disney. I'm tr- so like so I'm like yeah like I I guess maybe my mom like walked me through it, but through Boy Scouts I remember definitely learning how like what you needed and and pack for even that rainy day you know pack for the extra socks pack your boots pack your bug spray everything. I should have been a Boy Scout. Yeah, because then I would be much more prepared for things than I be prepared. That's literally <laughs> like a, it's literally a <laughs> slogan in the Boy Scouts. Be prepared. That's the motto. Yeah, the the, the first time I packed on my own was I think right around this age. I think I was nine or ten, and it was the first time my sister and I flew down to Florida to visit our grandparents. And so we're up in New Jersey, and it's it's winter break. It's December or January. And, you know, it's snowing and it's cold and, oh, Florida, sunshine and oranges and it's warm. And I don't know if I got a list, but I definitely know no one double checked my work because I'm like, oh, I'm going to Florida. It's all shorts and T-shirts and flip flops. And we get down to my grandparents live uh, in Delray Beach, which is down by West Palm. And it's warm. It's like 80 degrees. It's sunny. It's Florida. But then we go up to Orlando for a few days. And Orlando is, I don't know how many miles, but it's like a four or five hour drive north. So when we get to Orlando, it's literally freezing. It's like 30 degrees Fahrenheit. And all I have is shorts and T-shirts. <laughs> so it's like first thing we do, oh, we got to hit the gift shop. We got to buy this kid pants and sweatshirts and everything so it doesn't freeze to <laughs> death. And I'm like – I'm I'm a little kid. I'm going to Florida. I think oh, I'm just, and and also this is before like oh, you can just pick up your phone or go to weather.com and and look up the uh, you know look up the weather. I'm like I don't know. It's, I just know Florida's warm, and yeah, it was uh, not not a good experience, but I I learned. Yeah, yeah. That's I don't fun. remember how old I was when I started packing my own bags, but I think I was kind of young. We did a lot of traveling north and south and Michigan. And I, I don't know. I don't remember a time when my mom did pack my bags. So that means I must've been doing it probably by the time I was Kevin's age, but I'm sure my mom checked my bags. I think it helps too. When you have those, those times, like, you know, when, when you went to Florida, those times when something, when you did fail and then you learn from it, like, uh, uh, not necessarily failing, but I, I remember there was times when I was, uh, a little bit older, just, you know, spending the night at friend's house, there'd be every once in a while I'd get away with like a spontaneous non-planned mm-hmm. night where I'm, I'm already at the friend's house and I'm like, you know, just call my parents. I'm like, can I, I'm already here. It's already late. Can I just stay the night? And, you know, every once in a while they'd be like, yeah, that's fine. And like, yay. And then a couple hours later, you're like, oh man, I'm sleeping in my blue jeans. This is terrible. I don't have <laughs> yeah. any of my stuff. <laughs> I, I think you learn from those kinds of things. Like, okay, I, I definitely need to bring something. Yeah. yeah I think I found a happy medium. So for a while, I like swung the other way. So then I would like obsessively overpack. Like, okay, I've got this. If it's warm, I've got this. If it's cold, if it rains, like I've got all these different things. And then you end up, uh, I've got two bags that I need to check. And we're, you know, we're flying away for three days and it, it's crazy. But I think I've, I've, and then so now I had to go the other way or like I've got to pare down what I'm taking. I think I'm hitting a good medium, but yeah, my, my first experience of packing on my own was not, was not good though. I will say something I didn't do that. I'm very proud of Kevin doing here 
which is it's odd to say that I'm proud of someone I've never met and had nothing to do with it. So why am I proud? It's not, I didn't do anything, (laughs) but he knows enough. Like he's showing the maturity of like, he knows he doesn't know. And he's asking for help. He's like, listen, I don't know what I'm doing here. Help me out. Mm -hmm. And and then his siblings are so mean. mean. Okay. The reason I think Jeff is the, probably the meanest to him, but the tough is mm-hmm. I think going by the the how the how the room looks like they bunk together, so Jeff probably deals with Kevin the most since mm-hmm. like like they're the he they're like you know he's the middle he's like the middle child and Kevin's the youngest and they're the younger boys and like Buzz gets his own room and I'm guessing Lenny and Meg maybe share a room so they're like okay so Jeff's like I got to deal with Kevin every day of my damn life and yeah. I'm well, you know I'm not his take you know, I may be his brother. But I'm not his like, you know, like I'm literally not his keeper in a saying where it's just like mm-hmm. I just want to live my life and I want to I want to have my vacation. I don't want my my holiday vacation being the, you know, like the buddy patrol for Kevin. I think that's why Jeff is so comes off like his first line to Kevin is just so hostile. It's just like tough, you know, like, I'm, you know, it's tough. I'm going to probably have to deal with you in Paris. They're going to have they're going to chain you to me the entire time in Paris. Right. Buzz well, isn't going to do it. Well, Jeff is, you know, so if if Kevin's nine, Jeff is maybe 11, maybe two years older. And so I guess, you know, a little bit more experienced, but not not that much more mature. And Jeff has got, you know, he's on his own. He's packing. He's you know, he's got his own problems. I think the worst is Megan. Megan's the one that um, that says, like, what do you like, what do you want to meddle when, you know, Kevin, you know, oh, Kevin told me he didn't know how to pack. And I said, you know, congratulations, you're incompetent. Or, you know, what do you want a medal for not knowing what to do? And it's like, we should be congratulated for asking for help, for recognizing that he needed help and not not doing what I did and just packing completely inappropriately on his own. Yeah. So, yeah. I got a thing with older sisters, but that's just... <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> Brian, Brian knows my older sister. <laughs> no, no, but no, you're right though. They have, have Jeff and Megan have a complete conversation, like in an Aaron Sorkin walk down the hallway yeah, about the Kevin, where it's like, you know, you could be doing just telling me what the best way to pack my bag is, rather than you know, s talking me down the hallway, like turning it into a damn Comedy Central roast. But the whole thing is shot. I mean, it's so cool. It's like just it one is. shot, and they're just going around. I mean, you're obviously you're meeting all the people too. I mean, it's still reinforcing mm-hmm. the characters just doing this. Mm-hmm. Right. I think I think so, it looks awesome. Yeah, I mean, all it's like all like if someone had just turned to him, say, "What what do you wear? What clothes do you wear in an average week? You know, yeah. what would, if we were just staying home, what would you wear in the next week? Just take that and throw it in a bag." Yeah, well, you I was know, thinking, he just needs something to go on. I was thinking like that. Uh, about that for a moment you know if there was just one sibling because usually you have one sibling you get along with at least you know if there was just one sibling that was nice to him and was just like hey i'll help you quick kev or just pack these things but then obviously it wouldn't lend to the story because then if he was just like i wish everyone was gone except lenny you know then it it doesn't work with the story. It doesn't have quite the same punch yeah it it, it wouldn't work they just can't work everybody like helped them yeah, everybody this, has to be horrible, so everybody's gone. But here's a good well, question: Here's outside, maybe a backpack, like a Power Rangers backpack or something. What what bag does Kevin even own for luggage? Like, think of that. Think of that one. Put that in your coffee. Yeah. It's like Jeff and Buzz probably have like 
clothes they put like sports equipment in or something, you know, and then and then yeah, maybe like you know, uh, right? We, we see them Megan. packing in duffel bags, right? Yeah, they're yeah. packing duffel bags. Maybe the lineage is that they have small little like you know luggage cases and stuff where they they kind of put some of their stuff in. But it's like he's a nine year old. Like outside of like school books, what else does Kevin need to carry on a day to you know like day to day? Like uh, th- he's probably going to Disney World or something with the family. But it's like this is definitely the biggest trip he's ever you know they've ever had probably. And so it's just. It, it, I never get hung up. We're like in the weeds at like, you know, an hour in we're talking about like luggage. (laughs) So let's, yeah, that's that's, the point. But but at the same time, let's talk more about it because this movie is so (laughs) well done. It's like, I want to keep talking. uh, I want to keep going forward. But at the same time, like this movie's crafted so well, these first 10 minutes are crafted so damn well that like no other movies like has done like family setups this well well and and you know it's part of the genius of john hughes and we we talked about this a lot last year with the planes trains and automobiles is all these little things pay off you got to be paying attention to you know it sounds like we're kind of getting into minutiae but so many of these things i don't know if necessarily you know the the choice of luggage comes back but the the pizza boy and then we see, you know, Rod and Buzz. Rod is kind of tapping at the glass of Buzz's spider, and that's going to come back. And old man Marley and, like, every little thing that comes up in these scenes, like all these little details that are getting thrown at us, will, will they're, they're going to pay off later in the movie. So many of these things, like, they're just – like, the payoff comes. Like, there's always – John Hughes pays off. If you pay attention, yeah, he makes it worth your while. You know, he, you know, I wish John Hughes should have wrote, writ, wrote, and wrote, wrote, John wrote. Hughes should have done the final season of Game of Thrones. Oh, my goodness. He is the king of payoff. He makes sure yeah. everything pays off by the end. God. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, and, and, yeah, he sets the, he sets this movie up so well and pays things off so well that I don't think it was until maybe a year ago where I realized um, they they ha- this family has a dog and Kevin never mentions friends. Like, it's like, he just, like, if he had a neighborhood friend in this movie, it would make sense. But, like, they're all gone to holidays. And, like, the the mother on the phone, that's one of the things she says to the other woman on the phone is that we put the dog in the kennel. What's the dog? I don't know. It's 1990, so it's going to be a golden retriever. But it's just, like, we don't we don't know anything. That the fact, like, outside there's a doggy door. Like, it's kind of funny. You go, oh, yeah, there, there's a dog that's essentially, like, that lives in this house. We just never see it. Mm-hmm. Time to go to Buzz's room. Oh hell yeah, we're going to Buzz's room. <laughs> yeah, so speaking get of, <laughs> yeah, hell so, yeah. So that's yeah. yeah. So that's it's cousin Rod, um, who in the plaid shirt, who's who's checking out the spider, and again, Kevin showing maturity is like, listen, I just I just need some help. <laughs> and again, to the payoffs, you have the spider, you have Michael Jordan behind there. I mean, yeah, every, you're right. Everything is paid off. Yeah, there's there's so much going on. It's like an escape room where like all the little details you got to figure out to to solve a puzzle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but Buzz is going to come into play in, in Buzz's room certainly, and then you know they hear they hear something out in the night, the dragging <laughs> of a, a trash can filled with salt. Yeah, as if if Kevin had one neighborhood friend, like the neighborhood friend and him would have already known about either they would have already known about the Marley story. Or they would have known that Buzz is lying to them. But, like, because he doesn't have a friend, Buzz, any Buzz tells him he's gullible and he believes it because he's a child. 
Yeah. Well, and you have a friend, yeah. he'd go to this friend's house. Yeah. I mean, Rod believes it, but like Rod's out of town. Rod, Rod doesn't know any. But like Kevin lives here. Kevin lives. Yeah, here. it is kind of weird that Kevin acts like this is the first time he's ever heard that story. Yeah. And how long has that guy been his neighbor? I don't know. Yeah. Well, it, it's possible that this isn't an actual story, that this is Buzz is making this up to okay. just to scare Kevin. Right. Yeah, like he's seen him, but he never thought twice. You know, when you're that young, you probably don't even notice who your neighbors are. Oh, there's a crazy yeah. guy in a black jacket. But, yeah, the, the, the world, it's like a Charlie Brown special where it's all kids and just the parents are like uh, muted trombone sounds. This is, you know? Yeah, this is probably you like... hear old people. I bet you Buzz like like lied awake at night hearing him scrape the... the with the Because he's his, his room faces Marley's house. Mm-hmm. So he makes the story up to kind of like entertain himself. Right. Like, yeah, I bet that guy he's just like cutting up bodies and put him in salt. Like, so Buzz has this story already in his head because he has to like see this guy every night, salt steps. And so to entertain himself, because there's no, he's like, he has this walkman, but he doesn't have like a lot of like, he has a sports equipment and stuff. So I guess it's when it's like too cold to play sports outside. He's like stuck inside listening to music. And so he just sees this guy and he's like, yeah, I'm just going to call that guy old man Marley. But then again, the old man Marley does at the end say how, you know, the stories about me aren't true. So he could be a local legend. Think that. <laughs> That's, that doesn't mean much. But, you know, we, we, we covet what we see. Uh, if you guys want to know so what we... I look like, if you guys want to know what I look like in uh, mm-hmm. late elementary, middle school age, um, I look like Rod as he's looking out that window. <laughs> I think I have. I think I had those same glasses and my hair was curly and short and I pretty much look like him. <laughs> you, get, you get that long red plaid going? Nice, <laughs> yeah. nice flannel like my dad wears. Yeah. Yep. That, that Midwestern plaid, sure. And just to add the shovel, here's another setup. The shovel will be back. Got oh, it. yeah. Yeah. The shovel God, it's everything, back. really. And, well, and then we get... Um, we get the pizza boy driving up. Speaking of people or, or things that'll be yeah. back. And. Oh, and and the classic <laughs> 90s movie trope of like back then, like, you know, your pizza had to get delivered between before 30 minutes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Domino's is like, no, we're not doing that anymore. That doesn't even work. There are, there are too many car accidents. Is why car accidents or you're, 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 you're under pizza. Yeah, well, the the car, the side of the car, the sign on the door actually says "Little Nino Deliveries" in Nero. Or, in Nero, Nero. Little Nero delivers in twenty minutes, or you don't pay. And there's a deleted scene where the where the the pizza boy standing there with Joe Pesci, and he kind of gives him an elbow. And he's like, "You you let them know that I was here in under thirty minutes." Because the clock is t- he's very patient waiting to get paid, considering like he's he's under the clock because. I think the way Domino's did it is like if they were late, it came out of the driver's pay, which is horrible. Yeah, which, just which horrible yeah, policy. which is just capitalism is a horrible system. But especially ah, but when pizza. it's so slippery, and then they have to drive so fast. But I just noticed I'd never noticed before on their little Nero sign that it basically almost looks like yeah, it's a little a, Caesars, a little Caesars. It does look like, yeah, the little head on the pedestal. It looks like a Caesar. Oh, I mean, it's pretty, yeah, it's perfect parody, but it's just like Nero, like, watched Rome burn as he played his fiddle as the, the madman. So it's just like, it's like the pizza, you, you know, you hire, <laughs> hire, that, hire the, the crazy, uh, yeah, pyromaniac. Uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit and just a little bit about uh, Danny Warhol, who plays our pizza boy, 
And I just want to mention, if you go to IMDb, this guy has got – he's got 60 credits. Okay. Six zero acting credits. Not bad. I think only two of them are credited. So he's credited as Pizza Boy here. Uh-huh. He's credited in 1999. Um, the part was Candy Warhol in a movie called Holly Hollywood. And then everything else is uncredited and like like some big stuff. So, for example, he in Poltergeist 3, he's listed in IMDb as teen in red sweater at party in parentheses uncredited. In Midnight Run, he's young train station commuter, uncredited. So, I mean, this is kind of like one step above extra work. Maybe that's why I got uncredited. I'm like- guessing the guy, he, he probably like, Leah lives around LA. And, but the, like, those are one offs. He was in 17 episodes of My So Called Life, just playing student, you know, because you've got a, if you, you've got a series about high school, cool. like, about kids. So he's just student uncredited in 17 episodes of my so-called life. He was in Star Trek, Star Trek Generations as engineering crewman running in a hallway, parentheses, <laughs> uncredited. Oh, running in a hallway with pizza. <laughs> he was in From Dusk Till Dawn in 1996. Six years after this, he goes from Pizza Boy to Vampire, <laughs> parentheses, un- uncredited. Yeah. The the pizza vampire. And then he comes back. He has another in Star Trek First Contact. He's back as engineering crewman. Once Is he again, running in the hall or what? Uncredited. Yeah. He's, if, go back and watch First Contact and look for the crewman running down a hall holding a pizza. That's this guy. Um, he, I think he's retired. His most recent credit was in uh, a, a video short in 2004. His last feature was ch- Cheaper by the Dozen in Cheaper 2003. In which she was a football player, five uncredited, um, and then the last one I'll say. And there's a lot of great stuff. Check check him out again. It's um, uh, Danny Warhol, but uh, he was also in Monkey Bone in 2001, which I love. I guess apparently a lot of people don't think was a good movie, but in Monkey Bone he was a toy factory worker. Parentheses uncredited, but you know he made kind of you know a, a go of it for covering about. Covering about 20 years being a, you know, I guess, you know, a featured extra. I don't know what you'd call it. Yeah. But uh, there you go. There There you you go. go. Danny Warhol. And he, so here he is as our, as our pizza guy. And, and um, he's, you know, I I think he made it. He, he, we see him like, like sliding in the ice coming down the road. I'm going to say he made it in 20 minutes. How, how long he waited to actually get paid and what kind of tip he got. We don't know. I mean, no one. Well, yeah, does, no one. He does no, he gets nice a, tip. Yeah, he gets a great tip. Yeah, exactly. I know no he's. It, it, he. I know he. He says like, "Thanks for the tip" or something. Do we know what the tip was? Do we see? Well, we don't know the exact dollar amount, but he's like, but, "Nice tip, man." I mean, if you want to count her, God, it's gonna be hard to try and count the the money that she's throwing at him. So it's one hundred twenty-two. Yeah, one hundred twenty-two. Maybe she gives him one forty. If she's got a bunch of 20s. One, two, three. Yeah. So I'm guessing a couple of those are 50s. I wouldn't be surprised if she gave him at least a $20 tip. It is like the, the holiday season. And that was so back something. at the time. You know, now people usually give like 15 to 20% tips. But back then, you know, yeah. 10% was pretty standard. So that was that's a good good tip. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think I counted. I went through. I think I counted at least seven or eight pieces of paper she gave him. So that's like, so that could be 
yeah. So the first five are the twenties. That's a hundred, and then twenty is the is the sixth sixth one. So yeah, it could be a, anywhere between a twenty and a forty dollar tip. All right, that's pretty good. So yeah. let's I think let's take a pizza break um, from the movie. And I want to I want to ask you guys. So, what's what's your history with Home Alone? When did you first see it? Is this a yearly tradition? Do you watch it every year? Um, Dave, you go first. Go. Uh, my history with it is, I mean, it's one of the things I don't think I see in theaters, but as a kid, but like I definitely know that like we had it on VHS, or at least I rent we rented it from Blockbuster. I know like that was one of the first movies I remember we had on VHS, and yeah, every every Christmas I know I'm watching Home Alone. Um, maybe this, maybe Home Alone too, but definitely Home Alone, definitely being watched. And uh, and this was actually the first movie I contemplated before Mystery Men doing as a minute by minute podcast. So like I was studying this for a couple months before I decided that I felt like anyone could do Home Alone, and that's good for them. But no one's going to cover Mystery Men. That's what that's like the mindset I had. So I just this one this movie definitely holds. This is. What, what 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 Christmas Vacation is to you, Home Alone is definitely to me and more. Okay, that's the best way I could sum up. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Uh, Tabitha and Jonathan, how about you guys? Uh, I was all into this movie when when it came out. Uh, I would have been older than Kevin, but I definitely you know identified as as a skinny young white blonde boy, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, but <laughs> your people. Yeah, yeah. I think as I got older, though, the more I started just like hating the family along with Kevin. And I was like, you guys are all jerks. And I'm glad you learned your lesson by the end. But this is terrible. Uh, But it's still it is a fun movie to to revisit. Uh, I don't we don't watch it every year. I think I think that a little bit of a kibosh when we started having kids and we like we didn't want our kids to be watching this movie because of the (laughs) the bad uh examples of how people talk to each other uh mm-hmm. I, I there's there's redeeming qualities about it but uh yeah we we definitely did not watch this when they were little i remember putting this in for our kids when they were little and our son was probably getting close to kevin's age and so he was very impressionable and he was already kind of getting sassy and we watched <laughs> like the first section of the movie like basically what we were watching what we're talking about tonight that's what we watched with them and then i told jonathan like let's just or we got part way through that i was like let's just turn it off because he doesn't need to hear more of like this as an example talking to our parents (laughs) so we didn't watch home alone a lot with our kids and it just kind of fell to the wayside and um i mean we would have watched it with them again a long time ago but i don't know we just didn't we had other traditional movies and this last christmas we actually rented this one and the second one and we watched it with our kids and they're all teenagers now and they really liked it. They liked both of them and <laughs> we had a good time and we laughed and it's all good. And, and so that's, but, yeah, uh, that's probably a, a good age when they're past the point where they'll, where they're not so impressionable to, uh, yeah. <laughs> to think like this is yeah. how you act. And, and it, it probably would have been fine, but I was just like, yeah, I just don't need that more of that in my life right now. <laughs> We're good. But I watched this. I don't know. We probably saw it right away when it came out. I didn't see it in the theater or anything, but we owned it and we watched it all the time. Um, It was a definite holiday movie for us uh, when I was growing up. All right. That that sounds good. Um, So can we jump ahead into uh, pizza eating? So, yeah. Um, 
I, I know is there anything else we need? I want the, the Pesci as, as as Harry is the cop. Like is there anything else? other than he he must not be from his area because he's so brave at showing his face. Even even as cover undercover as a cop, I have to just I want to make sure I get that point across that he must be from out of town that he feels safe enough to show his face to like the people he's going to rob. Right. Well, and this has That's to be right. a, a big enough town that they're not suspicious. Like, you know, this isn't like a one cop town where they're like, Hey, you're not the one cop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and he's not worried about getting, uh, you know, recognized. And it, it does seem like he traveled, they travel around town. To, I, I feel like they're not just staying here. I feel like each year they're moving around. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, what we clocked them in. I mean, even after prison, was that th- four years is a three or four years is the sequel. So it's like now they're in New York. So it's like, yeah, they want to make sure they, they get out of the area. Right. Yeah. They, they move around. They're professionals. They know what they're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk pizza toppings. I already, uh, I just want to get ahead of this <laughs> before this turns into a Facebook thing. I already talked with George. I said, look, you're a man of pineapple. I'm a man of pepperoni. I, we, we see each other. We understand each other. We respect each other. But we both came together last night. We both said olives are not a good pizza topping. <laughs> and there are like yeah. three p- olive pizzas in the scene. I counted at least. I, yeah, I got I got to think some of this is on whoever ordered the pizza. Like if you've got a lot of people Arthur ordered the pizza. Pizza. That's right. Yeah. You got to do more than one plane just because I mean, it's the lowest common denominator. Everyone can eat it. Exactly. This is what pushes Kevin over the edge. So, I mean, of course, it was the wrong yeah. choice. Of course. Are you saying well, Buzz? I, you think Buzz did it as like a like a troll where he's just like, yeah, yeah. olive pizza. Like he like he knows like, but everyone's going to, but the uncles and dad are going to eat it because it's just like, we're not going to let the pizza go to waste. And But it's like, he's like, he's sowing family like, you know, animosity. Well, yeah, because we see it, and this is kind of jumping ahead a bit. But when um, when Heather's Heather's counting heads, she's counting up the kids. It's Buzz who's doing the like seventeen, forty two, three, yeah. like trying to throw her off. Yeah, he's just an a hole. And about the 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 olive pizza, my experience with olive pizza is um, when I was in college, there was a one pizzeria on campus, and if you went like right at closing. Sometimes they would just like this. This is what we have, and you know we're gonna throw it away. They would just give us whatever they had. Oh, it was always olive pizza. Oh, like who? They'd always and they'd have like like a whole like literally a whole like not one slice gone. Eight slices, a whole olive pizza that had probably been sitting there all day. They probably made an olive pizza first thing in the morning. No one orders olive pizza, and that was it. Just cheese sauce and and black olives, and we'd be like. Eh, we're hungry. We don't feel like and, and the, when I went to college, there wasn't a lot of food choices on campus. So we're like, you know, we don't want to go anywhere. So we'll pick the olives off. But you need like extra sugar soda. Like you need like a super sweet Mountain Dew to counteract the amount of salt you're yeah. taking with olives and pizza. But just that like I don't know if there was like a corporate policy or like why they made the olive pizza or maybe Buzz worked there. And he's like, <laughs> I'm going to make an olive pizza. But th- there was always the olive pizza left at the end of the night that even the people that work there didn't want to take home. They would just be like, here, take take it. Just take it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm on board. No one likes olive pizza. 
Yeah. Doesn't belong. It's gross. I And when we're with Jonathan's family, we order pizza. We have a pizza night and we order it for everybody. But there's always plenty of pepperoni pizza. And the ones, and we usually get a cheese one as well. But those that eat pepperoni are usually good with just picking it off um, mm-hmm. to get their cheese pizza. Because it's like the easiest topping to pick off. But usually there's a lot of simple stuff. So everybody likes it. You know, there might be a ham pizza. There's always a pineapple pizza. And then maybe a few that have everything did, on it. But what did we get in Denver? Because that was like God, that was, was like a ten pizza deal. There was I a was lot of people there. So in the that wind was, by that point, I think we were. <laughs> we uh, we had pepperoni pizzas. I think we had some pineapple. We had uh, like a bacon chicken ranch. Yeah, I think yeah, I there, we had some. There was supreme. like one pineapple, one bacon chicken ranch, but I think. There must have been at there least was, two or three planes. There was more than one there, plane, definitely. Yeah, and there was one with olives on it because I remember that was left over. And when I went to go heat it up, <laughs> I was like, "Ugh." Of course, that's the one that's left over. Pick off olives. I don't know. I didn't do that one. I I don't know who ordered the olive part, but yeah, like uh, I was I was very drunk. But I remember eating the the the, the ranch one. I remember that. One. I think yeah, Marin ordered it, so we can talk to him about it. Marin? Oh my God! Yeah, mm-hmm. what a Oh, olive. He probably eats his pizza the same way Buzz does, where he just takes a wad of cheese and just fingers it into his own mouth. He's a weirdo. He's so disgusting. <laughs> oh, wait. While we're talking... Oh, sorry. Did you want to say something, Jonathan? I, I was just going to say that, that I think Buzz... I don't think nobody, everybody else is aloof. They're just getting pizza. But Buzz definitely planned this because if you watch the scene previous, Buzz enters the kitchen like three seconds before Kevin. So Buzz made a beeline for that cheese pizza and he's just shoving it in. Oh, oh, that's whoa. Yeah, you're right. And so he ordered pizza with all the olives on it and then he's eating the cheese pizza. Wow. (laughs) Buzz is such a jerk. Dude, that's evil bro level like 9,000. That is insane. And then Kevin gets in trouble for Buzz being a jerk. Like, what do you expect? You can only poke someone so long. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he he doesn't. He doesn't react well, Kevin, but and that a lot of time it's with with kids and you'll see this in the NBA a lot. It's it's not the instigator that gets in trouble or gets the foul called. It's the re- retaliate. You got to keep your cool because if you retaliate, you're going to get caught. And that's what happens to Kevin here. But we but, also uh, have to remember, I mean, they, this is setting up that we need to have this eight, nine-year-old kid wish his family away. I mean, you can, uh, the family's got to be atrocious to him or else it's yeah. just going to be a, a little brat not wanting to be around, you, you know, nice people. Like they have to be bad. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think it's yeah. a reason why right. they have a, there's a reference to a dog, but we never see a dog. Cause it'd be like, if anyone pet the dog, they immediately be a good person. You know, it's always <laughs> right. like, pet the dog. so it's like, remove the <laughs> right. dog. There's a, we have a doggy door, but no dog. And uh, yeah, everyone's just mis- everyone's being a real you know, piece of work to Kevin. I mean, yeah, they've got to push him to the edge here. Yeah. Oh, I want um, I just, uh, sorry, go ahead, Tabitha. No, that's what I was just going to say a quick while we're on buzz, just because it was a, a shocker for me when I found out. Um, well, I don't remember who plays him, but that the person that plays him was in the new Tick series. Does it? Did any of you watch that? Hashtag save mm-hmm. the tick. Yes, yes, yes. Very good. <laughs> show. Oh, yeah. Good show. Who is that? He plays. He's Kevin, the guy with that wears the 
tinfoil hat and stuff. And I was like, that's oh, awesome. Oh. I didn't know that was Buzz. Oh, I wish I would have known yeah. that when I watched it. Devin Rattray, that's tinfoil Kevin. I did not put yeah. that together. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, tinfoil awesome. Kevin. Is- <laughs> it slightly makes me like, like Buzz that. more, which makes me kind of sad because I like tinfoil Kevin and I don't want to like <laughs> Yeah, we don't, we're not somehow supposed to like it's, Somehow it's bleeding over. Hmm. Oh. But. That's good. He's working. Um, well, what okay. I was saying, so I just, I, another thing I'm, I'm like, you know, we, we have to not like the family. So we're sympathetic to Kevin when he wishes his family away. There's a deleted scene with Uncle Frank. Oh, gosh. Uh, where uh, with, with Frank and Kevin, Uncle Frank asks little, poor little nine-year-old innocent Kevin. He asks, you know what they're called? You know what they're going to call you in France? Yank. And then he yanks down Kevin's pants. Oh, goodness. <laughs> That's bad. I'm glad they split. Yeah. I can't it, even it, believe that they would put that on a DVD in the deleted scenes, though. That's, like, yeah. really inappropriate. There's, he's, he's, he's wearing, like, his little nine-year-old tidy whities there's, no there's no nudity, but, yeah. Just, no, so I mean, he, inappropriate and, like, but, hey, my uncle used to, like, yank down my pants inappropriate. <laughs> Yes, that is. Yeah, I don't know if we we quite knew. You know, it'd be different even if it's just like (laughs) Fuller went and pants to walk by and pants him. Like that would be a different thing. You know, it wasn't Fuller. It was his uncle. Like that. Yeah, my my creepy old uncle used to pull down my pants when I was a kid. Yeah, that's a problem. (laughs) Problem. Yeah, Uncle Frank gets taken away. Oh, straight to lead scene. Taken uh, away. The pizza guy. Did the pizza guy say in the lead scene that he like he lives in the area? So it's like his house probably got robbed by Harry. Yeah, there's a deleted scene where Harry's like you know pestering him for like oh so I could you know you live around here could you you know could you take me to your house or I forget the exact basically the yeah the pizza boy says yeah you could we could walk from here. So it's just like man he he's just right in their face like yeah I'm gonna rob your house you know, which makes sense because they're. You know, like because they move around from neighborhood to neighborhood, so they don't like. I'm just they're going to clean it out. They're going to get as much as they can, and then they're moving on to the you know the next town, the next time, you know, the next spring break or whatever, the next holiday where a lot of people are going to be out of town. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a little scene of that. That's funny. Oh, what, 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 oh yeah. That, the, the, we were talking about uh, the dairy products, the, the milk. The milk's going to go old. So the mom wants to everyone drink milk, but everyone's already drinking soda. So like, there's all this milk. Yeah. And that's per- and as dumb as the passports are up on the count the kitchen counter. Oh like, my goodness! Yeah. But that's a perfect way to like. That's how Kevin loses his his passport and his tickets. Is that yeah. like way to the track? Like that's great setup. Yeah. So no right. one's counting it the next morning because it's so convenient that Dad grabbed up his ticket and his passport. That out of all of those, it was Kevin's ticket and passport that both got picked up. And thrown in the right. Garbage. That's got. That's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be driving uh, um, Jonathan I mean, Howell crazy. He's the only one that didn't pack his bag, so maybe everybody else packed their tickets. Well, no, the make tickets are why you'd pack no, the tickets, tickets are in a pile. The American, the American Express, oh. right? The American Express, the American uh, Airlines, American Airlines. Right yeah, like nine fifty eight. You can see there's yeah the one pile of all the tickets and passports, and now it's covered in milk. I know all out where the food is. Ugh. People. That's what I say. Like, th- that's, I say, Tabitha would have lost her mind in this house. She would have like reorganized. I would have. 
But it's like, are we going to the Europe? Let's pa- let's plan and pack this thing. Like everyone is just doing this all like half assed, like the night before. You stayed in a house with me. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Once this organized, once this done. I know. I'd be in there right away picking up the tickets and the passports and going and putting them in a safe spot. I probably wouldn't even get any pizza because I would be busy taking care of everybody and getting oh. the tickets out of the way and making sure Kevin has his suitcase packed. And <laughs> <sighs> See, he wouldn't wish me away because I'd be his favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I want Tabitha. Uh, that would be the best it would just be little kevin and tabitha yeah. all on their own they'd have the best oh, yeah. christmas ever <laughs> <laughs> now before we completely run away from the the milk but i think i could deal with just about any pizza topping pineapple olives whatever before dealing with drinking pizza or drinking milk with my pizza that's a double dairy you can't do it yeah it's just impossible double dairy no it's got you make you bloated i I, I think we know people that do mm-hmm. that. And, ugh. Oh, man. No, nah, yeah, you can't. That, that's a stomach. They're just like, oh, milk with pizza. Yeah, that's good. Oh, like, come ooh. on. No That's way. gross. I'm yeah. really particular on what I like, what kind of drinks that I like to eat garlic with. Because I don't like my food making my drink taste funny. Oof, so I'm yeah. good with most oh, yeah. pops. But, you know, oh. like milk or like lemonade or something like that that the garlic would make it taste funny i'm like oh no i'll just drink water if that's my only like a fanta orange soda is really good with pizza that's a good combo i feel orange soda would be good yeah i've been i've been just drinking water now yeah yeah water iced tea i don't like i'm not a milk drinker like i don't drink milk at all it's like you know if it's a milkshake or like melted ice cream but that's about it i'm not very healthy is what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not very healthy either. And the hell- holidays are coming, so Sean's not getting any better. Oh, oh my goodness. God. Oh. I still got to lose weight from Portland. Portland <laughs> Well, so they drag Kevin out, getting back to this uh, uh, scene. Cinema, yeah, and that, and- that perfect POV shot, too, right? Yes. Where like, everyone's looking down on you. Everyone's disappointed in you, you little jerk. Uh, <sighs> She tips. She tips out, and another another setup. The gold tooth. Yeah, mm. yeah. The gold tooth. Yeah. Well, so. why why is Harry still there? Like we knew before, he was hanging around because he hadn't talked to an adult yet. But he yeah. talked to the father. Like, why is he still here? Um, it must be. It must be still related to that deleted scene where he's going to leave with the pizza boy. And follow him over, like after his, you know, or like I guess the pizza boy's gonna take him over to his house, let him in, and then I guess the pizza boy's just gonna go back to his work. Yeah, because I thought it might be like establishing the familiar relationships because of something that Kate says, but then she also said when she was on the phone back in the bedroom when she's packing, she said like the in laws, like to establish that. All these cousins and everything, they're from Peter's side of the family, not Kate's. Like, we already knew that. So that's not new information. But maybe it was just, like, extra stuff they they filmed. I don't know. You know, where they weren't sure what scenes were going to be included. So there is some duplicate dialogue. Because I've read exactly what she says. or But she she says something to tell us that she's not blood-related to any of these people other than her kids. Like, all the the jerks, like, they're 
they're the husband side of the family. Yeah, that's all Peter's side. Yeah, that's all that that jerk Peter. I was gonna say maybe yeah maybe Kate comes from maybe she, I mean she works I'm sure she's a working hard lady but like maybe she kind of comes from money and like Pete's family like they're you know just a bunch of blue collars from Ohio because like you know he says so maybe he's from Ohio originally. Yeah, they're a little more rough and tumble, a little more blue collar. Oh, like he, people from Ohio. I don't want to talk bad about people from Ohio. I'm just saying, like, maybe that's <laughs> oh, where his I family... Oh, I talking about people from Ohio. Well, no, I'm just not, because, I'm well, because she's... Like, good bad people there. It's, no, there's nothing wrong with Ohio, but she's from Michigan. And it's the Michigan-Ohio <laughs> rivalry is going on there. Oh, see, I didn't know that. I'm, it's I, the people I, from Michigan that are the problem. See, I got my own war. No, 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 not at all people from Michigan. <laughs> I okay. see what I do is when I do tabs, I go into people's houses in North Jersey and I stuff uh, pork roll products in their sinks. <laughs> <laughs> I just shut the sinks, I turn the and I turn the faucet on. You slap flyers, <laughs> bumper stickers on their cars and yeah. stuff like that. Oh yeah, do I tear down all their I tear down their giants and their New Jersey <laughs> devils stuff and I'm putting up flyers and eagles stuff. Yeah. I'm a real menace. <laughs> oh, I think Harry's around to just case the joint out longer until someone's like, can I help you with anything else? And then he can say, you know, like, talk no, to no, them no. and say he's all set. Because when she comes out to pay the pizza guy, he's like in by the piano now looking all around. Yeah, so he's, he's like just taking as much time as he can. Yeah, yeah he's like, And I do love how when they're taking Kevin up, I mean, again, you're still you're seeing the entire house, which is so important, especially because of that ending. I mean, you're yeah, just seeing right. where everything's laid out so clearly where you are, where they are. Yeah. And then, and, and, and the attic where we don't spend much time in the attic, really, but like it, it's like decently furnished up there. Like, I mean, I guess it's not freezing because Kevin's not freezing while he's lying up there. So I guess it has mm-hmm. decent amount of heat. It has that. It looks like it has an electric chimney thing there. That What is that, Sean? Yeah, sure. Electric chimney. I don't know. What is that thing? Like, it's like plugged. <laughs> It, it's coming out of the. Ch- it's like it's like a like it looks like an electric heater that's going into the chimney brick. It, yeah, yeah, so I wonder if it's like a pellet stove. It looks like it should be electric, but yeah, it's got an exhaust that feeds into the chimney. So maybe it's maybe it's gas. Although, if I remember correctly from the kitchen, they didn't have gas cooked. They had like one of those flat like induction top stove yes. tops. But so yeah, maybe it's like a little gas heater. Like this is the kind of thing that maybe if you're you know a little kid that it's kind of scary because it's not a regular room. But once you get to be a teenager, you're you're begging, you're asking for for this because of the privacy. You're you're on you got your own level. It's it's yep. like a penthouse. You're all on your own up there. Like seriously, like I mean, Kevin's not happy about it now, but. Give him four or five years, he'll be begging to, to to go up to the attic to be alone. Yeah, I mean he's he's gonna split it with, until until his mother you know negotiates that Fuller won't sleep there. I guess Fuller will probably sleep in his actual bed and pee in his actual bed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like and, and 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 this is not that bad. Like so, I've I've slept on a few of these like the pull out couches that turn into a bed, and as an adult, you usually end up with like a rod. Right in the middle of your back, and you wake yes. up, and you're all bent over, and you're. But he's small enough; like he probably fits all on one side of that rod. Like he's going to be fine when he yeah. wakes up in the morning. Kids are made of rubber; they don't feel that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No. That's because they 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 drink milk for strong bones. And there you go. Stuff. And they're also like a hundred pounds lighter. So that's true. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. True. yeah. So, but you so, know, this is Ke- like 
I was just going to say, like, you know, this is like a fifth generation hand-me-down. In their grandparents' house, this sofa was like in the living room. Like, this was the formal living room when you first walked into the house. It was the sofa. And then it got handed down to the kids. And then, you know, like Pete's generation. And then it ended up in like, you know, a kid's room. And now it's made its way up into an attic. And like that mattress, it's like paper thin. But yeah, Kevin probably (laughs) weighs 20 pounds soaking wet. So that's fine. Now the yeah. next scene here with the, with the windstorm, do you guys like uh, the little little mysticism of almost a supernatural element that they kind of portray? Tell me, Dave, do you like that? Yes, I do. Okay. okay. <laughs> now you guys, we'll talk more about it at a future time because when 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 Kevin's really reeling from it. But the fact that yeah, before he goes to the bed, he wished his entire you know he wished them all away. That's what he said. I just wish you all away. And so, yeah, this is kind of like the movie giving us a little hint, like, of, of, of fictional magic, a little, little movie magic. Whereas we know the family is alive. They're not wished off the land of Nod or anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're in France. But, yeah, to Kevin, you know, this is the last time he's going to see a lot of these people for, like, a week, a solid week. But to him, he doesn't know if he's ever going to see them again. So, uh, you know, this, this is like the night, you know, the night of. And the score is great yeah. here, too. Oh, God, yeah, we're yeah. back to, like, the Danny Elfman meets John Williams uh, kind of score. Really nice. Really nice stuff. This yeah. is Halloween. This is Halloween. <laughs> yes. <laughs> perfect. 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 And, uh, yeah, so the, the power goes out. Power goes out. We see the clock radio goes out. And next thing we know, just like if you were sleeping, the next thing you know is it's morning and you slept in. And they show that the the airport express van has hit the same statue that the pizza boy hit, which tells me yeah. it's their fault for putting the statue there. If the thing keeps getting hit, like one person hits your statue, that's the person's <laughs> fault. If everyone is hitting your statue, you put the statue in the wrong place. It, it, honestly, it looks like it's in a decent spot. I mean, it's not on the street; it's on the grass. It's just it's on the grass, and yet, as we as we as the sun rises, we see the one van guy. The, the one van. I mean, he's in the express. You know, these guys were they were sharp. They got there. They sped yeah. in. When we when when we say yeah. express, we mean express. So, again, do you think this, total chaos. Do you think that boy is friends with Kevin, the neighbor kid that pops over? Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're about the same. He might be friends with Kevin, but he's like, but maybe not enough. I don't know. It's weird. Does he say like they just moved in or something? What was that? What does he say here, Sean? They're what they're going to. They're going to Texas or something or Missouri. Like they're driving somewhere, he says. Oh, his family. That's right. They're leaving. Okay. Or I think Orlando and then they're stopping on the way to pick somebody up. So he's like, yeah, my family's driving to Orlando and this family's driving to Paris. And does this thing That's have automatic right. transition? Um, bring me back something French. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. He, probably, yeah he probably does know a little bit of Kevin, but it's funny. He doesn't talk, you know, doesn't ask for, about Kevin. He's just in his own little world. Yeah. Kevin um, seems like his best friend's like a 62-year-old man. Like, I, I can't see him having <laughs> that many friends his age. Right. And that's what it is. It's just like, it's like, it's just, it's one of those things that you don't think about to like the, your 50th time watching it where you're just like, yeah, we don't ever see like Kevin interact with a, uh, with a friend of his own age. Right. He never interacts with anyone of his own age. Well, and is it, so is it, is it that common 
for the whole family to be going away. Well, not just this family, like the whole block empties out for Christmas. Um, and they have these really? huge houses. Like I know, like I'll just say, so I travel for Christmas. I visit family. I go to family that has a house like this. I mean, if I have, if I had a house like that, everyone would come to me. I wouldn't go anywhere. Yeah. And that's why we go to Jonathan's family at Thanksgiving. And that when we have our Christmas at that time as well with his family, because they have the big house. And yeah, I do. I do Thanksgiving with our sister, Brian and I, you know, our sister. And then I do Christmas with my in-laws, my wife's sister, but they both have, they both have really big, they have big families. They each have three kids, um, which is big by 21st century standards, but like they each have big houses so they can host everyone. Like, Instead of, yeah, instead of 11, 15 people flying to Paris, why don't the three people in Paris fly here? Mm. That would make more well, sense, maybe it? it would make more sense. And I bet you they host Christmas every year. And this is mm-hmm. a special thing. You know, they just went to Paris. And so they're going to give everybody, you know, a great experience and go to Paris and just take a vacation this time for the yeah. holidays. So I think it's I think it's just a special thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if they normally host the Christmas. Right, right. Them, yeah, I I think I agree with that. And so they're getting they're counting up. Buzz is doing his thing, messing them all up. Yeah, uh, Buzz is being another musical score. score. Oh, another yes. musical score. We yes, have to say that. yes. And the, the neighborhood, the neighbor kid that we mentioned. It's not just a funny you know, funny gag with the neighbor kid and all the questions that he messes up the count mm-hmm. plays into mm-hmm. it. And yeah, they're the, in such a rush. I mean, as we've all known being late and they're just running out. Well, I would think they, you know, my first thought is, okay, there's two vans. You're in one van. You don't know who's in the second van. But then my next thought is immediately we'll split up the couples. You've got two sets of parents. Each one, you should have like a mother in one van and the father in the other. So wherever you go, th- you know, whichever van you're in, if you're a kid, you're with a parrot. When that's yeah, that might help prevent, you know, yeah. the whole movie from happening, which would be <laughs> then we wouldn't have the movie and it'd be, be sad. So, so it's kind of there's there's a reason that to happen. But then the same thing they get to and I know I'm jumping ahead, but this really bugs me. They just send the kids back to coach. Like it, aside from the kids in coach and the parents in first class. That's a whole nother thing. They don't even go check on, like make sure the kids find seats and get buckled in and everything. They don't know where the kids are. Kid could be riding to Paris in the bathroom for all they know. Dude, that's just not, good, not parenting. good parents. They could be home for all they know. The kid could be home for all they know. Yeah. Tav is more right by the minute. Um, yeah. <laughs> It, it is so funny, yeah, the, the, the 1990s thing of just, like, you know, play Lisa 45 minutes and, like, they realistically make it. And American Airlines, you know, American Airlines obviously wants to look good because they have a, they have a big, they, they were a big, you can tell they had big ads in this movie. Right. But they're just like, hey, yeah, American Airlines, we're not, nothing, we're not doing any bad customer service. <laughs> just walk right in, take a seat, just- like, we'll. We'll take your word for it that you have tickets. I know they say just just pick anything that's just take just anything that's open. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just come we, on in. We didn't they triple. Oh my god, we didn't triple book on a uh, on a holiday flight. Whereas every they don't time even, that, like, 
check to make sure the person going through is the right one with the ticket. She's just yeah. holding it all in her hand and they all go running through. <laughs> You've got a bunch of people here, a bunch of tickets. We're getting on the plane. This is obviously pre, uh, pre 2001 yeah. with security here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, a bunch of, uh, a whole big white family here that got their big winter coats and all a bunch of tickets. <laughs> just take any scene in the house. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> well, and another thing that was, I mean, obviously, in terms of getting through security and you've got, you know, 15 people, four adults, and 11 kids. Like, I was going to say they all have to take their shoes off. I don't think they make kids take their shoes off, but at least the adults are going to have to take their shoes off, take your belts off, everything like that. Like, there's no way they're – it's 40 <laughs> – forget time to the airport. Let's say they live across the street from the airport. It's going to take them 45 minutes just to get through security. Oh, but Maybe so they got to skip the line because they were running so late. Sometimes, Sometimes they'll they do, do that. that. They'll bump you if you say, oh, I'm going to miss my flight. But the door is closed when they run up and she's like, oh, you yes. just made it. No, even before 2001, they don't open the doors. I missed a flight once. They're mm-hmm. like, which and, and it it bugs because I was there yeah, and I was sitting there and I was waiting. I didn't want to just planes aren't comfortable. I don't like flying and, and it's not a phobia. I just don't like it. So I was actually actually there early and I was waiting. I'm going to be like, I just, I wanted to be the last one on the plane. So in the first one off, like just minimize the amount of time I spent on the plane. And I must've missed a final announcement. I'm sitting there and I look up suddenly and they're closing the door and I run up and I'm like, can I get on the plane? I've been sitting right like, and they're like, nope, once the door's closed, we don't open it. So, So that bugs me. Like they run up and you can see the door's already closed. I'm like, they would not have let them on that flight. Once that door is closed, they don't open it up. But I guess if you're white, you know, there's a different set of rules. 1990, it's a different rules. 1990, it was white? a different time. Are you not white, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't open it up right here. Well, I'm, I'm white now, but this, yeah, this was, you know. <laughs> how, about, how about this? this time. Uh, last time you were in Chicago, did you, and, did you look at the O'Hare Airport and be like, wow, the McAllister family ran through here, son of a gun. Oh, my God. Like Actually, I had, a, I had a connection once. Yeah, and they say, you know, 45 minutes to get to the airport. I had a connection once. I think I spent 45 minutes running just from one end of the terminal to the other to make a connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, there's a little bit of movie magic. There's a little bit of, uh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I, uh, a little bit. I got, I lucked out on the way back. My, my connection was at, uh, Dallas Fort Worth and it was literally like four, ter- four, uh, things down, just like four, uh, oh. doors down. I yeah, got in, I, walked five minutes, went to the bathroom, and then just like just you know stood the next area. It was great. I never get those. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you guys tighten your seatbelts really tight on an airplane? No, like no, no. Do you? I my, no, I put mine loose. I don't want to sit there with my seatbelt all tight. Like she really tightens it down. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I. I. Yeah. I want it loose. I'm like I, I feel constricted enough inside a plane. I, yeah. yeah. The only time I think I ever did was like we were coming back. I think it was senior trip, and like we had some turbulence, so like I tightened it up to make sure like the turbulence got bad. But it was you know a little little storm cloud, and that was it. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. right. The reason. All right. So the, we talk about <laughs> we talk about coach and first class. I mm-hmm. think I think the reason we don't even see the kids in coach was they didn't want to film coach seating in an air. Like, I think American Airlines didn't want to film coach seating in the plane. But they're more than happy to film first class in the plane because it, it's very aesthetic pleasing. There's a lot of you know a lot of room and stuff, and yes. so we just we just film the adults in, while we're when they're on the plane. That's my that's my take on it. Yeah, well, there's and only the a story, lot of room. Then, like 
there's only a lot of room like that on international flights, really, right? Or Dave, you flew you flew first class, didn't you, to Portland? I I flew first class to Portland. Yeah. Um, Did uh, you have that much room? I, yeah. Uh, the only time I had the the most room I had was on the specific flight from Dallas Fort Worth back to uh, Philly. It was um, I was we were flying. I think it was like Airbuses, and they had like they had mm-hmm. good seats. But the but the we were on, I was on a, the last flight the plane I was on was a Boeing one and the Boeing one had the most seats like they did, what they was essentially they, they they cock your seat at an angle so you actually have like the, so how you sat was not hundred percent straight you're kind of like a little bit off by a few degrees and you have enough room for the seat to really actually go back into like almost like straight up like bed mode. And you can put your legs up. That was I had the most. Oh room my in. goodness, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so it was the perfect like flight back. Like that was the last flight before I landed in Philly. So like oh. I got a, I got a decent amount of like sort of nap in, so then I could be like awake for like getting home that night. Wow, yeah, this nice. is I don't know what kind of plane this is, but it's two seats an aisle, two seats an aisle, two seats. So it yeah, so it's six seats across with with two aisles in first class. And there's probably like so each of those two seats probably translates to three seats in the in coach or more. It's probably like three seats and then five in the middle and then three on the other end. Yeah. Way back in coach. But yeah, we don't yeah, American Airlines probably like, you know, kicked them a little bit just for the the mention making them look good. Hey, you're you know, fly American, you're quick through uh well, did you you have the VHS, right, Sean? I mean, they had an American Airlines commercial before the movie. Do they? I don't. I have the. Uh, no, I have the Blu-ray. I don't have the VHS. I mean, like, yeah, the VHS. I remember, you know, like fast forwarding. Oh, really? And, and they were like, American Airlines is like happy to like happy to like take you to your family this holiday season, and it showed the clips of like them getting on the plane with American Airlines, like the shot we just saw and stuff. So it was like American Airlines, you know, looked very nice. Like we're you know, more than happy to take you and your family, you know, across the world and across the, for the holiday season. Something to that I remember that before, like you know, on the VHS. Um, well, we've been we've been talking about the first seventeen minutes of this movie for about five hours. <laughs> yeah, um, we should probably start wrapping it up. And I'm gonna I got I got two my last two things I'm gonna fire off. My last okay. two notes is um, so when they're when they're going to their seats, the woman with the baby, the woman in the red sweater that's holding a baby, yeah, that is Miss Columbus's mother. That's Irene, yeah. Irene Columbus, yeah. the mother of our director. Little uh, bit part there, you know, throwing mama bone. That's nice. And then uh, the other thing I want to who's the baby? Who's the baby? Uh, there? They just you know central casting. Give me okay, a baby. Okay. Yeah, I don't know who the baby is. Yeah, I don't, I'll, I'll look that up for next time. I'll see if I can find out. You know what? Where that baby is now is probably in prison. Or <laughs> and the other thing I want to mention is so Jeff is the next youngest, the second to youngest boy. Uh, Kevin's older brother Jeff, who we saw previously sword fighting with Fuller, that is Michael Morona from uh, the Big Pete. Of the adventures of Pete and Pete. I was going to bring it up. I didn't know if you want me to bring it up, but I, I love that show. Obviously. I love and, well, I, I, and I brought it up because I know you love the show. So we got a, you know, we got, a, we, got a we got a Pete so here in the, uh, in the family. Um, so yeah, that's the, you know, that's, that's my final thoughts on, uh, on this section of the movie. What else, you know, to close it out, you guys got anything else you want to throw in here? 
my last thing is, uh, since we hinted at the magic of Kevin wishing his family, before the next episode, ladies and gentlemen, uh, go, uh, and it's on Daily Motion. I want you to look up Are You Afraid of the Dark? The Final Wish. And mm. it's an episode that I feel like takes a lo- takes the idea that Kevin wishes his family away and really leans into the dark fantasy magic of, 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 of such a wish. So I, before we get to the next Home Alone episode, I recommend you definitely watch that episode. You're going to share that in a listeners group? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. definitely My last definitely. question is wondering um, if you put passports in a microwave, do they actually dry out? Does that work? Because- <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Just don't try it. <laughs> if there was like one piece of foil on the ticket, that whole thing blows up. Well, I think in your passport, I, I think there is like some foils in the. In, yeah well i think it might don't do that now because yeah there's like rfid or there's stuff like embedded chips inside the paper or whatever so don't yeah. do that now in 1990 yeah i mean if you just do it like maybe just do like seven eight seconds at a time and feel if it's dry yet you know don't put it in for five minutes but that might have yeah then it might have worked just yeah microwave hmm. your things to to dry them out <laughs> well yeah that's still probably not a good place to store stuff. No, probably. <laughs> and they have a boiler. They've got heat. Put it over a register. Although I guess then yeah. maybe they... Yeah, they just get warm. <laughs> uh, so, Brian, any final thoughts? I mean, the movie is just a masterpiece. And uh, we're 17 minutes in. And we got about 12, 15 more hours to go about speaking about it. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we run up to... Uh, so for the listeners, if you're watching along at home, we're... We go up to uh, the 17 minute and 25 second mark. And the final line is Kate saying, I hope we didn't forget anything. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. That, how's that for foreshadowing? How's that for a, a cliffhanger? We'll see. Um, we'll see if she, uh, if she, if they did forget anything <laughs> next time. So, um, well, so, so Jonathan, I know people yeah. can find you. Tell the people where they can find you if they want to hear more of, of what you're saying. Uh, real quick shout out to theprincessbrideminute.com. Uh, what we're working on right now is UHF 62nd, where we're covering the movie UHF 62 seconds at a time. And we're having lots of fun with that. And it's actually happening. And we are excited because it was like two years in the making. So Thanks. listen to it. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, those are those are both great. The, the Princess Bride Minute, one of my favorite movies. That was a lot of fun. Um, and then the the UHF. It's, I mean, it's not strictly movies by minutes because it's the sixty two seconds, but mm, we'll allow it. And it's a just because it's a great movie, and and we love Jonathan, so he can do however. Well, we we do we do extra episodes every once in a while, so we kind of make up for it. You make up for it. yeah. You're not just shorting us like one thirtieth of the movie by doing. <laughs> right right no um yeah and so so tabitha i know you don't have your own podcast but you seem to find yourself in a lot of others podcasts so you know what kind of stuff do you have coming up uh um coming up we just recently guested on sorry cast in the furious and mm-hmm. so that will be out uh, by the time this comes out um spider-man minute season three we just guested on those are coming up uh by the time the home alone is released those will have already been out and i know around the time that this episode releases we will have guested on joe versus the minute where they're talking about joe versus the volcano 
And oh, nice. uh, that'll be really close to about, I think, in November um, when that'll be out. So you can catch us on there with Jarf and Tierney. Yeah, for our friends, uh, Jarf and Tierney. And then mm-hmm. Dave, Dave Palace has got a wonderful podcast that I am in love with. Tell our listeners, in case they don't know, I'm sure they know, but it, just in case they don't, tell them yeah. about it, Dave. Just in case. Yeah. Uh, so I work on uh, Five Minutes of Mystery, where I'm covering the move, the 1999 superhero comedy ensemble, Mystery Men. Uh, I got to get back on a schedule because over the, over the summer, I was working with the rest of our Movies by Minutes community on the Cystic Fibrosis uh, fundraiser trivia tournament we were doing, the Cage Match 2019. And we just wrapped that up with the Portland finale. So now that we're done that and going into the fall, I want to start uh, start the planning my next episodes with guests. So um, you know, look keep keep your eyes on the feed. I'll you know in the next the next few months make sure I get some episodes out for you before the next holiday. All right, yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. We are looking out for that. And then uh, so listeners, look out for us. You you found us once, find us again where we will cover the next uh, the next portion of Home Alone, seventeen minutes at a time. 